Hello and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we have a subject slash topic that everyone who's making disciples or is thinking about making disciples or who has made disciples, has taken a break, and they're back to attempting to make disciples, needs to think about. Which is everybody. It's a pretty critical topic, and the timing couldn't be better. We are, we are kind of winding down the year. It's early December. The new year is on the horizon. This would be an even better topic maybe a month before, but here we are. We have it. Um, if, and so basically it's about multiplication. Yeah. It's about what happens at the end of your discipleship group or at the end of discipling a small group of men, small group of women. Um, three to five is, is the process that we would suggest with a discipleship group. And, and there are plenty of podcasts where we discuss the makeup of the group, all those things. But one thing we've never really focused on is how to specifically find your new group and or multiply from the group that you're in. Yeah, and the, and the, the reason multiplication is so important, uh, and it's one of the reasons we, we named our ministry Replicate, because we realize that the discipleship process is never complete until the mentee becomes a mentor or the player becomes a coach, right? So we want, to, we want you to understand, meeting in a group is great. D group is great. Yeah. But if you're not multiplying the group, right. then you're just, a, uh, you're just a cistern of truth and, and not a channel of blessing of, of information to other people. So you're like this big container that right. information comes in, not going out. Well, and, and let's set up the situation here. So we've got many, many discipleship groups, many people who have led others and you're coming to the end of your 12-month or your 18-month cycle of discipleship, and it's time for you to leave that group and go to find three to five other people. And so this can be a challenging time. One, because now for the first time, maybe in some of these folks' lives, you're challenging them to go and find some people and begin this process. Yeah. And the beauty of discipleship is it's, it's inherent to the process. Like you said, you're, you're making disciples, and, and, make, and that multiplication is kind of the proof of that. Hey, we, if we don't multiply, this isn't really discipleship. This is us just learning for ourselves. And so you're sitting there. You're, you're thinking of multiplying. Your group is about to send out, and they're asking you questions. Well, how do I find people? Who do I find? I mean, you guys are the only ones I know. I mean, I've heard all of the excuses. I may have even made some of these excuses yeah. myself. Not you, huh? <laughs> who, who do I go after? Why, who else uh, in my circle of friends, who else do I have? And here's the beauty is you have to eventually, as discipleship works out properly, expand beyond those you know. Yeah. You have to eventually go after some people you may not know well, um, some people that obviously you want to start in your life group or your Sunday school class. That's We always say that's the fishing pond of new groups. But eventually, you know, in a, a year or two, you're going to outgrow those folks. And it pushes us. Or you're going to find a new pond. You have to find a new, <laughs> new pond. pond. That's fishing. right. That's right. So uh, the beauty of this is as you're thinking through this process, how can we be intentional and who can we find to be in our groups? Yeah. Okay. So let me back up a little bit and give you a reason to multiply. The very first command that God gave to the first couple was, do you remember it? Be fruitful yes. and multiply. There it is, right in the text. Do you know what the word multiply means in the language of the Old Testament? Oh, man, I do not. It, <laughs> uh, Does it mean multiply? Multiply, I yeah. knew it. <laughs> it means multiply. I knew it. That's exactly trick question. They're it's, always trick it's questions. A tri- see, it's early, but it is a trick question, though. It means multiply, mm, okay? So, uh, yeah, so what that means is, is he wants you to give your life away 
and multiply yourself into something. Now, he's talking about physical multiplication, but in the church, we're talking about spiritual multiplication. Right. Is it, isn't it interesting that the very last command of Jesus, not the final words, the final words would be in Acts 1 where he says, right. you will be, and that's not a command. That's, that's, uh, that's yes, a statement of identifying something that's going to happen. You will be my witnesses, but the final command is what? Do you remember? The final command is is make disciples. Go there multiply and make disciples. Right, so right. the way you make disciples is to multiply. The very word make disciples, uh, methetes, which is an interesting word uh, in the Greek. Methetes is where we get the English word for mathematics, which is interesting. Mathematics, methetes. And it gives this idea of discipline. It's this idea of learning. It's this idea of replicating, of multiplication in a sense. And so Jesus gives us this word, mathetes, which is a dynamic verb. Now, why is that important? In the Greek, there's two types of verbs. There's a static or multiple verbs, but two categories, static and dynamic. Okay. Hmm. Have you learned this in school? I have not learned this in school or in church. So this is new to you? It is. Wow. I, I didn't even learn this in seminary. Okay. Well, you're going to learn it now. And for I'm those listening, you don't even need seminary. You get this right here. You're <laughs> a seminary. <laughs> Much cheaper than a seminary. Class, a little bit cheaper. Way. Okay. Here, here's, here's what it is. Uh, a static term is the word Christian. Okay. So Christian is a descriptive term. It's informational. It describes something. It's not a, a term that does anything or, or even expects anything to be done. You're a Christian. I'm describing you. Okay. In contrast, the word disciple, methetes, is a dynamic verb, which means there is action expected from it. There is movement. Uh, there is application. There is something happening. Does that make it's sense? It's not a state of being. Yes. It's a state of doing. Oh, there you go. Sounds, sounds very I just biblical. made that up on the floor. That sounds biblical, too. That's good, yeah. <laughs> so it's not I am a Christian. I am a disciple maker. Every, here's the thing. Everybody listening, if you're a Christian, is a disciple maker. Okay, you're making disciples of something and someone. The question is, are you making good biblical disciples or not? Yeah, I know a lot of people who are making disciples of weight loss uh, products on Facebook. That is true. Yeah, and that seems marketing. to be the number one. Have you ever got asked to be in that weight loss coffee business? I have. I've also been asked to be in the oils business. Don't mention that, please. Oils. Okay. Don't mention on, that. Please. That would be me. I actually. Oh, wait, wait, I wait. actually. <laughs> No shame in this game, but I, hey, listen, I love essential oil. Frankincense don't lie. Or myrrh. <laughs> Have you ever used? Okay, moving on. We got to move on. Listen, Power. for the record, Jesus uh, in his day, they used essential oils. Okay, I don't know. I don't know okay, anyway, moving on. So uh, we're making disciples. Okay, so there is this expectation to multiply. But here's the challenge. The challenge is your people never feel ready to multiply, nor do they want to. Think of the, the disciples. Even after Jesus left, went into the sky and departed as a bottle rocket to eternity. You know, I don't know how he went up, but imagine a spiritual bottle rocket, you know. I feel like it's much slower than that. A little like slow. I, th I envision the ascension as a really slow motion. Yeah, like the movies. Almost like 10 minutes later, like, okay, you know. At what point? Like one of those Chinese lanterns, huh? I think that's <laughs> the way I'm saying it. Jesus is a Chinese lantern. I think we're on borderline heresy. Probably so. Yeah, the Bible, the, <laughs> we well, need you know what we say. Them. When the Bible's silent, we're silent. Yeah, no, so, we speculate. I, <laughs> we speculate. Okay. So Jesus ascends into heaven, okay? Mm -hmm. What are the disciples still doing in Acts chapter 1? Looking you, up. 
They're still looking up. Yeah. <laughs> They're looking in the sky, and it takes the angel coming yeah. back and saying, you know, tapping him on the, yeah. hey, boys, uh, it's time to go. Like, there's no time to wait. Go make disciples. So even the disciples who were invested in by Jesus for roughly three years, these guys still had to be prodded in order to go and make disciples and invest their lives. So I say that to say your people are never going to feel ready. Have you ever had this in your group? Um, every time. No, I won't say that. I think my last group, they were ready, but they were still, and, and I would say, man, it's probably very similar to disciples. It's ready, but uncertain, unclear, unsure. Yeah. Like they thought they could do it, but it was like, okay, what is my next? And I think that when people are listening to us right now, they're thinking the same thing. It's not that they don't think they can do it necessarily. It's just when you're starting something like this and you haven't ever before, it's just a completely new endeavor. You're, you're a little bit unsure. Um, you're, you're a little bit uncertain as to how to proceed. And so the goal here in this podcast today is really just to take some of that uncertainty away and to provide as much as we can, just a clear idea of how you can multiply. And really, um, I won't say it's easy because you do have to find people. You do have to pray. There is work to be done. There is effort to be put forth. Um, but I feel like once you get into it and once you've done it one time, you've passed that barrier and you're able to do it consistently going forward. Yeah. Kind of like riding a bike. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The first time my kids got on a bike, they, they didn't think they can do it. And, and honestly, the first few times they couldn't do it. You didn't think they could do it. First I, well, I knew they couldn't do it, but we still got on the bike, you know? And so you'd hold the back of the bike and kind of hold, but eventually after they did it a couple of times, they eventually started to ride a bike. And here's the thing. You don't learn how to ride a bike unless you do it. You, you'll never learn how to be a disciple maker unless you do it. Now, are you going to get it right every time? No. Are you going to uh, get asked questions you don't know the answers to? Yes. Are people going to uh, stress you out because they don't come? And don't? Yes. But all of those things are minimal in comparison to investing in people, seeing them go on and do great things for God, and replicating their life. So when we come back, here's what I want to talk about. When we come back, I want to talk about how we select groups, mm -hmm. how we invite people to be in our group, and then how we launch the group. How we select those people that should be in our group. Yes. And we will talk about that in just a moment after this brief break. Well, today one of the things we want to talk about is the Replicate Equipping Cohorts. If you go to our website at replicate.org, that's replicate.org, you'll find that our cohort is a robust training system. I don't want to use the word system. It's a process, but it's also a relationship with us and our team at Replicate. Every member of our team every month provides a call in which you can call in and you can watch, you can get in, we connect via Zoom, and you can watch and you can connect and you can ask any question you have about your current context and issues that you're facing. In addition to that, and, and the big part of this is 10 hours of extensive training at that advanced level, that next level of rolling out a disciple-making process in your church. And we partner with hundreds of guys, hundreds of churches in the cohort. We'd love to you, for you to be a part of it. If you go to replicate.org and find out more about the equipping cohort replicate.org and we're back talking about how to find that new group how to multiply your group how to help the people in your group the people you're leading find those that they will now lead as they multiply from the group and so where do we want to start in in the nuts and bolts of that process okay so what you have to realize is before you even begin your group and some of you will say well we didn't do this when we get, began the group, well, you can do it next time. So just remember this for the next group. 
I start talking about replicating the group before the group even begins. Wow. Yes. So when the group starts, the first meeting with the group, mm -hmm. I hand out a covenant. Yeah. The covenant is really important. I know you what you print this out. Do you just have a sheet of paper? Or do you, I print it out. Or do you hand them a book? Because I get growing up, growing up has the covenant in it. And I like to have that because then I know we're going to talk about growing up at some point. Too. Well, you could. And I, I used to do that too, but I like to print it out. And I'll tell you why. I like to print it out, give it to them, let them take it home. If they're married, pray with their spouse. Mm over this, come back and give me a signed copy. Okay. And then I hold on to that signed copy of the covenant. Now, why would I do that? Well, uh, if there's issues down the line. There you go. If you have someone saying, you know what, I just, after a month here, I just don't like it. Yeah. And you probably, uh, you, you hope this never happens, but I've had it happen where I've had to ask seven different people over the course of 15 years to leave a deal. Well, and we've done the math. I've asked you this question before. Yeah. How many groups have you led? Because there 24, are times that you, 24 groups. Yeah, it's in the low 20s, mid 20s, um, because you've led numerous groups for a certain amount of years and things like that. But yeah. I ask that question because when we're listening to you talk about groups, it's not from a theoretical standpoint or from someone like me who's only done it a few times. And, and the reason is it takes time. You're right. Discipleship takes time. Yeah. But to hear it from someone who's done it so many times, I feel like the input that you're giving us is invaluable because it's getting us further ahead than we could be on our own as we're trying to learn. So you would say... In 24 groups, you had to talk to about seven people. Yeah, and one group, th one group consisted of three, three guys in one group. Oh wow! I've, I've even had a. This is crazy, and I don't talk about this much. But I had an entire group disband. Oh wow! Yeah, I started. I mean, so just encourage. This those. is encouraging to me. This yeah. is very encouraging to people. It should be because you're thinking, wow, the guy who's telling us how to do it. Right. Even, it, it happens to all of us. So don't take yeah. it personally if you start a group and it falls apart. Somebody needs to hear that because you're beating yourself up. It happened to me. And I had all the system and process and plan in place. So I started the group in January. Within two months, I had one guy whose shift changed where he basically had to work every other day. I mean, every other week. Yeah. So he came to me and said, hey, can I make the group every other week? And I said, so you're going to show up 26 out of the 52 weeks? I said, there's no way. It's not, it's not fair to you, and it's not fair to the group. So I said, this is not the right time. Yeah. So he was an easy one. The other two were guys who were living in consistent, persistent sin and refused to repent. In fact, one guy was debating me on why living with his girlfriend who was now pregnant with his child out of marriage was, was fine. He just said, that's fine to do that. I mean, and he tried. Anyway, that's a whole nother. Moving anyway, right along. Yeah, yeah. moving right along. So, so I had to confront him. But here's yeah. how I did it. I confronted him with the covenant. And what I said was, you said you would commit, you would, uh, you would uh, participate. Uh, yeah, you would grow in your relationship with the Lord. And you're not doing any of these things. And obviously, it's systemic because you have a sin issue. Uh, I'm going to have to ask you to leave the group. Other times I've had to ask people to leave the group because they simply were uh, not showing up. They, they were casual. Uh, they, they called in late. And so what I would say to them is I would bring the covenant to them. And I would say, listen, you sign this, not me, you sign this. And one of the lines says, I will commit to participating, pr uh, doing the work, and showing up on time. And I would say, hey, you signed this, and you said you would commit. And so... And you want to be gracious. I give them second and third chances. But eventually you say, yeah. we're growing as a group. Here's the point. And when you have a weak link in the group, it actually brings the entire group down. Yeah. So what you say is, here's what I've said to him. It's not that you can't be discipled. 
it's that now's not the right season for you. Because discipleship is about seasons. Certain seasons of life are more difficult than others. For example, if you're a mother with young children, and let's say you're a stay-at-home mom, that's a different season. Uh, If you're starting a new business, if you're just moving to town, different seasons, you need to be okay with that, that you don't need to be uh, in a group, and that's okay at times. Okay, here's the second thing. So we give them the covenant on the front. The covenant goes out on the front end. Then about October, so if I start in January, October, I start talking about replicating. So I start playing. Now, through the year, I'll do it, sure. too. I'll just say when you From guys time repli- to time, you're, you're always mentioning it. Yeah. When you guys multiply at the end of this, when we all find another group, I mean, we're making that statement yeah. repeatedly. And they tell you, they'll say, we're not, we're not, we didn't sign up for multiplication, Chris. We just want to be in a group. But the covenant actually has a line in there that says, I agree that I will. <laughs> yeah, the last line says that. So what you tell them is when they say, we didn't sign up for this, you say, I understand that, but we're going to pray about it. Yeah. So don't put a lot of pressure until the end. Then in October, I start sharing with them. All of the people we have shared Christ with through the year, the people we have lived on mission before, the people we have gone to the same place at the same time to see the same people at the same restaurants and coffee shops, those are the people now we're going to cash in our social relational capital on and ask those people if they want to be in a discipleship group next year. People we live around, people we work with, people we go to school, our school kids go with, uh, people we go to church with, people in our life group. This is the fishing pond, okay? So what we do is we don't ask them yet. In October, I ask them to start thinking of names that we can pray for for a month. So beginning of November, I'll get a, a piece of paper in the back of my journal, and I'd write, I write all the names of the people in my group. So Robbie, Chris, Blake, Jonathan. That's on the board. Normally my groups are five or six total. So Jonathan, Colin, Gus. That would be my group. Okay. Then we, we have it in our notepads, and under each name at the top of the page, we put the potential people that are going to be in our group. So this year, my group's going to be Brandon and Josh and uh, Michael and Jared and Luke. Okay, so I pray for those names in my list. And then every list has a name of guys or girls if you're so a every girl. individual in the group has their own list of names. Yeah, but I keep the master list. And then what we do is we begin praying as a group for the names of the people we're going to ask. Now, why is this important? Because before Jesus called the disciples, he spent a whole night in prayer. In fact, he probably spent a long time before that. But he spends a night in prayer, and he basically is praying for these men, praying for their hearts. I mean, obviously, I don't know what he's praying for, but he's praying for the the group he called. Then he comes down from the mountain, and he calls the group. So we pray for a month. Then in December, we ask those people, we approach them and ask them to be in the group. Yeah. And then once the group is solid, now sometimes some of the names say no. Wow. So we replace them. Yeah. I, I try to get the guys to find five or six names so that if one or two say no, they still have a group. Yeah. So after we have the list complete, which is normally the second week of December, we spend the last meeting which is normally the second to last week of the year. We, we don't take off. We take off right before New Year's. But here's our last group meeting, and this is important. We get on our faces as a group, and we bow down, and we spend the entire final D group in prayer. Wow. This is really powerful. We pray for each other. We, we basically pray for the person next to us. So I'll pray for you. You pray for Jonathan. Jonathan, please. We go in a circle. But here's what we're praying for. We're thanking God for what he taught us this year. 
We're thanking God for how he's grown us this year. We thank God for what he's given us this year. And then we pray for our future groups. And I'm just telling you, what that does is that puts a period on the group. Nobody comes back after that and says, I thought we were still meeting. Yeah. No, no, no. We, we put the period on that group, right. and now we're starting a new group. We're opening a new paragraph. Well, and one caveat that I think has helped some leaders, um, so, because sometimes you this, this worked in my group. Sometimes you have a group, and it's just a challenge. You know there's one or two people in your group that are really going to struggle multiplying. You do everything you can to get them ready. You do everything you can to prepare them. You encourage them, but you just know, okay, this person is probably not going to multiply. Yeah. So one of the things we've discovered is that if you pair them up with someone else in your group, so let's say you have a group of six like you normally do, and you got Bob and Joe, and you know that Joe's been struggling all year. He's attended. He's done his best, but you're thinking he's probably not going to multiply on his own. Yeah. You can pair him up. With Bob, you can send both of them out to start that new group. Now, obviously, that's not our first option. That's not our first choice. But in order to kind of help someone down that second generation of discipleship to keep them on the path, we have found that's one way to help with the process as we try to move forward and, and encourage people who, now, again, we don't want every group thinking, hey, everyone in this group, take someone else in the group, and then we'll go do it. But as a baby step, as training wheels for someone who might be a leader who just can't really take it to the next level, uh, that's one of the things we have to we have to think through. Yeah, so next time, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to ask the question, are people not ready to multiply? Mm. And if they're not ready to multiply, what do you do with the people who aren't ready to multiply? That's a good question. And we'll go into detail on the specific type of person you want in your group next time on the podcast. But today, if you've listened and you've enjoyed Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, please give us five stars on whatever apparatus you're listening on, whether it's you Spotify. You went for it. Five? You didn't even say rate us. No, you I, just say I'm straight. just asking straight wow. up for five okay. stars. Wow. No, seriously, take a moment. <laughs> yeah, seriously, take a moment. Uh, they tell us it really helps the podcast get the word out. So would you just take a moment right now, go rate the podcast for us. And if you haven't checked it out yet, we are now on YouTube. You can look up Replicate Ministries or Making Disciples Podcast on YouTube and check out if you want to watch the podcast as well as listen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.